0: You're listening to The Naked Truth, Queer Artist Interviews. I'm Peter, your host, and together we're going to sit down and unzip with some amazing creators and learn The Naked Truth about their work, their lives, and what it means to make art as a queer person. Thanks for joining. This show explores the area of human sexuality and contains some adult content. Today, I'm joined by Diamond David Anthony. They are a non-binary, multi-genre music artist and performer. Diamond recently performed an hour show for the Cultured Professional, TCP, a Black-owned Roku TV network for their Black Music Matters program. Diamond, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: (laughs) I feel it's important to note an accomplishment, not in your intro, which is you are Mix Philly Leather 2020.
1: Yes, in 2021, because I have an extended year due to the coronavirus.
0: (laughs) Oh gosh, I I think I would throw the sash back if they said you're doing it another year.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I don't mind it. You know, there was a lot of things that I haven't been able to accomplish due to the coronavirus. And I intend to fulfill those duties and those obligations that I sought out to do when I won the title. So another year is going to be rough, but, you know, I'm resilient and I'm ready to work.
0: I'm sure it is kind of like a to-do list that you've had a long time to think about and to make, but I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about your experience as a title holder during the 2020 year, because you are one of only a few title holders to be on this program, and I think it's a unique perspective and experience, and especially nothing more unique than trying to do that or figuring out how to do that through the year of COVID.
1: Oh yeah, so when I won the title, I had no idea that COVID was going to be as big of a deal as it became. And when everything started happening, I started to break down and cry about it because I knew that my title year was not going to be the same as anybody else's. And then when it started to happen, I decided to not wallow in my sadness because of the things that I wasn't going to be able to do, but to shift and find a way to make this year more of an online presence. So I started doing online shows, I started raising money for different organizations, and I decided to use my platform to talk about different social issues that were going on, especially during the summer when all of the police brutality cases were going on. The summer was a very, very, very hard time to get through because of all the things that were occurring with all the police, shootings. You had George Floyd, you had Breonna Taylor, you had Tony McDade, people that were losing their lives to police brutality. And we were in a time where we were seeing a lot of shift and change in racial justice. And I was in the center of that. In my hometown of Lancaster, I decided to join the movement that was going on in Lancaster with the local protesters and the local people that were organizing for better treatment in the city because Lancaster also had its own problems with the police force. And it was very eye-opening this year to, you know, see myself go from just a nobody to somebody that was doing speeches in front of people and using their platform to access rooms that I didn't think I would ever have access to. I spoke to U.S. Senator Bob Casey of my state about police reform and things that he could do in Washington, D.C. I never thought I would ever do stuff like this. And I saw that, you know, I was becoming more of a political activist and this title was giving me the opportunity to find my footing in finding a passion for something that I'm really good at, and that is advocating for people that are marginalized in our communities. Sometimes we don't have the voices that we are supposed to have in our communities, and I want to make sure that we're elevating our voices to the utmost uh, power. So this title year has been unconventional. but. It has opened my eyes to what I can do internally and what I'm capable of with my gifts and my skills. So there's that.
0: (laughs) So then that leads into you've had a year of plenty of stuff to do, clearly, but you've also had a year to kind of plan what you might want a post-COVID title year to look like.
1: So I would love to do a lot of events at the bar based on education and doing events that pulled in black and brown, queer and trans people that wanted to get into kink and leather because I feel like there is lack of access for black and brown, queer and trans people due to economic backgrounds.
0: And just white gatekeeping of kink.
1: Yes. I'm the title holder that saw the gatekeepers and decided to climb the fence and bring my own chair to the event (laughs) because I decided, you know, I'm not going to allow people to tell me what I can or cannot do or how I show up in the community. So I want to make sure that I am showing that, Hey, y'all can come into this community as you want and don't allow gatekeepers to stop you from having fun in this community. And that's one of the things I wanted to do. I wanted to bring educational services to the bike stop, which is my home bar. Kink one-on-one classes, fundraisers. I actually have one event in mind already for post-COVID. It's called Key of Kink, which would be a play off of Stevie Wonder's songs in the Key of E, which is one of my favorite albums. I just wanted to do a lot of fundraising events.
0: This topic of education makes me think, I'm curious to know if the EP Sex Positivity was part of what you were trying to do in terms of educational activism during the pandemic when, sure, you can't hold events, but you could drop an EP.
1: Actually, that is quite true. I actually utilize my talents to talk about sex positivity. I feel like music has a way to reach people in a way that certain conversations cannot. So I definitely use my music to educate people and to get people to ask questions like people didn't know what pup play was in my song nasty queer and i had people ask me questions like what is pup play and i'm like oh well so this is what it is and this is what it entails it opens dialogue and conversations with people opening their minds on things that they may want to try in the future or may be like oh That's cool. Not for me, but I know what this is. And to break down the stigma of, you know, certain sexual acts and certain things, because I feel like people have this thing where like, oh, I can't discuss this because it's too taboo. And I'm just like, just talk about it. Talk about it.
0: (laughs) I'm really glad you're putting it in these terms because I listened to Sex Positivity a few times. And what struck me on multiple listenings was normalizing sex and especially like queer sexual experiences you have a have a line about pushing a loadout, about having sex in a dungeon space in an exhibitionist space i think it was switch into submission really for me and evoked the mood of one of those play dungeons those like big sex parties i'm thinking of like bear spikers and mayhem somewhere like Mm -hmm. that where it's multi-room and there's all this group sex happening oh yeah so all of that rhapsodizing to wrap around to say I feel like the thrust of the album successfully is in like normalizing queer sexual experiences at their most graphic because using a term even like at their most graphic keeps on putting it in like a dangerous or like edgy space and the whole point is that like no this is what we do
1: yeah exactly I didn't want to sugarcoat anything (laughs) (laughs) because oh that's not sugar that's coding that (laughs) You know, I didn't want to do that because I think there's a beauty in the raunchiness. You know, there is something very, very sexy about being true to knowing what you want and knowing that it's dirty and nasty and sometimes it may be taboo a little bit. It's a beautiful thing when you know what you really want. I wanted to portray that because for a very long time, I had this very skewed perception of sex. When I was younger, I was sexually assaulted, and that was my first sexual experience. And I thought that I never had control over my sexual experiences from then on out. I, you know, was in very submissive but abusive relationships that were having me do sexual things that I didn't really want and I didn't enjoy sex and I was very out of control. I was out of control in what I wanted so much until I decided to get into leather and kink. And when I came into the community, I learned how to enjoy sex. I learned how to be able to communicate what I wanted. I learned how to say, this is what I want, but maybe down the road, this is not what I want and I can change my mind. I have that option. And I think one of the things that is a blessing to me from this community is it became apparent that once I started to enjoy and realize that sex was something that I can have control over, I should be able to explicitly share that with people. And I should be able to have conversations with that. And it should be talked about in the most authentic way possible. And that's how you enjoy it the most. And I portray that very well in my music. And I really am glad that people see that. So thank you so much for that.
0: Thank you for sharing so much of your own experience. I'm so sorry that that happened. It's clear that you've created a way to break the cycle, to create a positive situation that prevents other people from falling into the silence that causes so much damage around sex.
1: I think that is important to share because I feel like people don't, they don't take control over their own sexual fantasies and wants and whatnot. And I feel that that's part of the reason why there's a lot of unhappy relationships out there. There are a lot of people, straight people that I talk to when I talk about my explicit nature of my like sexual life. And they're like, I couldn't do half this stuff about that, but I would love to try it. And I'm like, well, why not? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. Like why deny yourself pleasure like that?
0: it is something that we've had to untrain ourselves about a deprogram ourselves. So in that spirit, would you mind elaborating a little more on sort of how you came to be diamond something of your journey as a queer person? And then maybe if it fits in organically, you're coming to discover an interest in music and developing that into becoming a performing artist.
1: So how I became diamond. Well, diamond has been through a long journey. I came out as non-binary back in 2017 during my first go-around at releasing music. I had released my first EP called Zest Deep. And after that, I decided that it was time for me to explore more of myself. And this was the time where I decided to uh, become more truthful in what I wanted in my life. When I decided to release music, it unlocked something of importance in me, something that I didn't know that I had inside of me, which was courage to explore and be my authentic self. So I started to explore leather a little bit more. And this is when I started to become more in depth in the leather community. And this is when I started to wear more hair, be more androgynous and uh, more femme with my looks. And I remember having a conversation with my mom because she found out that I had posted a picture of me in my leather and my wig. And she was very visibly upset and very, very, (laughs) very uncomfortable with it. And it made me want to not do any of this because my mom's approval was something that I've always wanted and I always felt like I was fighting for attention from her. And she always found a way to knock on my self-expression because my self-expression was very rooted in my queerness and my self-expression was rooted in my sexuality and, you know, my sex positivity. And she didn't like that at all. She slut-shamed me a couple times because of things that she has seen on my phone and stuff like that. And I honestly thought that she saw me as a black sheep of the family because I was very open about my sexual experiences and whatnot. So when I came out to her as non-binary, that's when I started to explore my identity a little bit more. I started playing around with more of my makeup. I started playing with my hair. And then years later, as I started doing music, something in me started to change. And I don't know when this started, but I remember a time where I just looked in a mirror and was like, I don't feel like my name at the time, Kareem, really fit me anymore. I had changed so much and I wanted something that fit me a little bit better. It wasn't until my mid-atlantic onyx pearls siblings my leather organization that i'm in gave me the name diamond and the meaning of the reason why they gave the name diamond to me was i take pressure from situations and put fire to them and make them into diamonds Mm. and that has been something that i've done all my life and that just described me so much better than what my name was so i decided to change my name to diamond and It's still something that I'm getting used to. My mom is still getting used to it as well. But it has definitely given me a lot more power in myself. And I feel a lot more confident. I walk around and I'm like, I shine bright like a diamond. No Rihanna on that one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a really beautiful origin story for a name and for an experience that I feel like in addition to the other elements of sex positivity, there's a, is it okay if I use the name Kareem for this? Yes. Just because that name is still how you can find sex positivity on say Spotify or something like that. Yeah. That the music itself or the lyrics themselves are more inclusive or more expansive than presenting one gendered experience.
1: Absolutely. I try really hard to make my music as gender-neutral as possible. Not to say it's the easiest thing, because it's not sometimes just wording and just certain lyrics I just love. But I want people to know that this music is for everybody to enjoy, and it doesn't matter who you are, you can enjoy sex in any capacity. And you can enjoy some of these things too. You just have to be open-minded about these things.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, in your coming of Diamond story, you talked about getting into music a little later. Can you talk about your journey towards becoming a musician and, you know, some of your either background in music or how you came to find that as your form of expression?
1: So I started music very, very early I started singing when I was five, and I started with my family. My family is a group of singers. We grew up in the church, so a lot of gospel music. And that's where I found my calling. It was through the church. And I knew that I had a gift. I just didn't know how I wanted to use it. And I kind of shied away from my gift until I started going into elementary school. I joined the choir and I auditioned for my first solo. And I told my mom, I was like, mom, I have my first solo. And she was like, yeah, right. I was like, yeah, come to the concert. Like I'm singing in the concert. And I remember singing my first solo and I got a standing ovation. And my mom was shocked. She didn't know that I could sing like this. From then on out, I had a love hate relationship with music because I hated my voice. I felt like it had a weird tone to it. So I struggled with finding a balance of loving my voice and loving music. For a long time, I struggled with that going through choirs. I was in chamber choir in high school, I was in gospel choir. Vocal ensemble. I was in mixed chorus. I went to districts. I went to state. All the choral thing. Even through all that, I still had a love hate relationship with music because I was not comfortable with my voice. But people loved. It It was like, oh, you can sing. You know, you can sing. I'm like, yeah, but
0: choir. You can kind of also blend in. I'm in a crowd unseen.
1: Yes, it was a safe zone for me. It wasn't until I started to become more comfortable in myself, which was years later. I was so wrapped up in self-hate. There was a lot of internalized anti-Blackness because of the environment I grew up in. People tell me that my skin color was ugly. Things about me were ugly. I internalized a lot of that. And because of that, I internalized maybe all of me is not a beautiful human being, and that included my voice. And until I started to really break all of that down and really analyze all that, where I started to be more comfortable with like taking on a project for music. And when I released my first music project, I was very proud of myself because I hadn't completed anything music wise in years and 2017 i was still trying to figure out what i wanted to do in life and when i'd released that people were like you have some potential so keep going keep going and keep doing your work and you'll see yourself do great things so after i released my first ep I decided to continue to write more music. I decided to try out new things. I, I started learning how to produce more. I started to learn how to uh, write different uh, genres of music that were out of my R&B comfort zone because I wanted to be a versatile artist
0: a line that stood out to me from your single Enigma. I'm just paraphrasing here where you're talking about how you have a voice and you were born to sing with it. That line now has a whole new layer of resonance knowing this journey that you've been through in order to get where you could put in a song confidently that you have this vocal gift. But I wanted to ask about, in Enigma, you talk about in that same line where you're saying that you were born to sing, you then say something like, I'm paraphrasing terribly, but it's sort of like saying that you've got a wonderful voice for singing, but that's not what this is for. So can you talk about in your own process, what it means for you to engage with your really gorgeous, velvety voice singing versus the rap, which is obviously more percussive and songs like Enigma, more like nasty queer uh, are, are pretty much all spoken rather than sung.
1: So, For me, I've always been into hip-hop and rap. My dad, when I was younger, blared all the rappers. Jay-Z, Nas, Foxy Brown, Little Kim, EPMD, I'm Going Way Back, uh, Ice Cube. You name the rapper in the 90s, he listened to them. So I've always had an appreciation for hip-hop and rap. And I wanted to explore my talents with that a little bit more. I was afraid to do it until I started to really open up and explore a lot of my uncomfortableness and things that I wanted to try. So my first song that I ever rapped was called Seasons, and it was about a breakup that I had And when I did it, I was like, okay, this is a start. Maybe this is something that I could do. And I really wanted to tackle different art forms. I love rap and hip hop because of the storytelling. And I wanted to explore that more. So I had to decide how I wanted to come up with my rap persona because For rap and my hip-hop numbers, I wanted to be more in-your-face because I feel like that's my presence in a lot of things that I do nowadays.
0: Well, it sounds like in that context that Enigma really is sort of a coming-out song in itself. It's a rebrand. It seems to be, you know, please welcome to the stage DDA now.
1: Yes, it is a rebrand. I wanted to have people understand that. This is my new identity, and I'm going to be trying new things. Enigma was definitely something that I did not think I could do. And when I produced the beat, I was like, can I do this? Can I rebrand myself in this way? And once I created the song and I started writing the bars to it, I was just jamming out to it. And just I know that people are going to be very confused at why I rebranded myself this way, but people are going to understand in the long run how important this was for me. It was me coming back out as the same person, but with a different name. It's more refined, it's it's more truthful, and I stand more in my identity in who I am
0: now this actually poses a sort of creative opportunity I'm thinking about search algorithms and like keyword search terms because if you go into Spotify or Apple Music and search for Kareem Diet, you get sex positivity if you search for DDA you get Enigma are you thinking about doing uh remixes or like another pass at the sex positivity EP as DDA and seeing what having a new, fresh face to these songs will do.
1: So I actually am in the process of rebranding Sex Positivity. So it's funny that you do ask me that. When I decided to rebrand myself as DDA, I was like, I want to migrate all my music from Kareem Deant over to my new name. And I didn't know what I wanted to do or how to do it. So the best way to do it was like, okay, I'm just going to make new music and then attach it to Sex Positivity, but I'm going to tell it in a different way. So what I'm doing right now is I'm working on a new album, and the way I'm going to do this this time is going to tell a story that is not just sex positivity, but it's going to tell a queer story about a person like myself. I have an idea of who I want to portray this person in the story, but it's going to be a queer love story, basically going through the motions of being a queer person in our community, in the leather community, or sex positive person. And I wanted to capture this in a way that it was musically heard But also visually. So I'm looking into making it a visual project, a whole visual album. So I have a lot of things that I'm working with sex positivity with. The songs are not going to change because I think the songs are perfect in nature. However, they're going to definitely have a different role in what they play in this larger story that I'm
0: creating yeah i like that i like that a lot so we're coming around to the part where i ask and we've been talking about how sexuality connects to your art this whole time but i just want to give you one last chance with the very direct question is there anything more that you want to add about the way in which your sexuality is connected to your art making
1: i think because of the way that i live it's only natural that it comes through on my music And because I live so freely, sexually, and so uh, liberated, because it is a type of liberation, when you are able to freely enjoy sex without judgment, it is a liberating experience for yourself. I want to continue to do that because it opens conversations and allows people to be able to explore themselves a little bit more and to say, hey, maybe I want to try this, Or maybe I could show this song to somebody and they can ask questions about what this means. I want to spread all the sex positivity around the world. (laughs) You know, it's important to me.
0: Absolutely. So we began this interview kind of talking about the post-COVID plans of Diamond Mixed Philly Leather. But what about on a less title holder, on a more personal level, we still have a ways to go in my mind to truly be post-covid people's definition of when it's going to be safe are all different but so like in that safe post-covid world what does diamond the individual look forward to
1: i look forward to being able to go to concerts again (laughs) i miss concerts and i have been watching live concerts of different artists that i looked up to because i've been looking for different inspirations for my new music projects so people like tina turner i've been watching beyonce prince michael jackson janet jackson and the like i just like seeing the crowd go wild in the concert hall or the stadium. I'm like, I want that so much. So I'm looking forward to being able to go into live shows, but also perform again. I miss performing so much. And I feel like a piece of me is dying inside because I'm not able to be out in front of a crowd. It is one thing to perform in front of a camera It is one thing to perform for a digital show. It is another thing to perform in front of a crowd. And that is something that I will always cherish. Like you said, I don't think we're gonna be out of this anytime soon, but I look forward to being able to perform again. I do, I really do.
0: I can't wait for when you can perform live again and i can't wait to hopefully be there in the audience
1: oh yes please i've put on a good show (laughs) (laughs) i have
0: no doubt well thank you so much for joining me and yeah stay safe and keep persevering
1: thank you very much and i appreciate you having me
0: thanks for spending some time with us on the naked truth if you want to learn more about this episode's artist be sure to look through the links in the podcast description Please consider how you can support the creative people on this show and in your community. Art helps us all get through, and that's the Naked Truth.